0: Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Schell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are continuing on in our sermon series called No Easy Answers. And all throughout this series, we've been exploring a problem that has no easy answer. And that's the problem of pain. But we've been exploring this problem because we all experience pain. And since we have all experienced pain, we've all wondered the same things, like why do bad things happen to good people? Or why does God allow pain and suffering at all? But what we've seen over the last few episodes is that we're never going to be able to answer these questions of why so in this episode we're going to start changing those questions and instead of continuing to ask why we're going to start asking how how do we respond to the problem of pain and suffering in our world and in our lives and during this episode and our next episode we're going to be exploring how jesus responded to pain and suffering in his life especially as he was dying on the cross, and we're going to see what we can learn from Jesus' example. So let's get right into this episode sermon.
1: So over the last couple of weeks here at Melbourne Heights, we have been wrestling with a problem that has no easy answer. We have been wrestling with the problem of pain. And we have been wrestling with the problem of pain because we all experience pain in our lives. Every single one of us has attended a funeral of someone that we love. Every one of us has watched as a family member or a friend has suffered in a hospital bed. Every one of us has stubbed our toe or bit our tongue, twisted our ankle, or gotten the flu. So every one of us has experienced pain in our lives. And because every one of us has experienced pain in our lives, we have all asked hard questions about pain. We have all wondered, why bad things happen to good people. We've all wondered why there's pain and suffering in our world at all. We've all wondered why God allows it. And we have been wondering about these questions for as long as human beings have existed. But even though we have been wrestling with these questions for thousands upon thousands of years, we're not any closer to answering these questions today than we were way back then. And why is that? God explains it to us inside of the book of Job. And if you remember the book of Job, it tells the story of a man named Job who is described as being a righteous man, someone who is right with God. But even though Job is a righteous man and right with God, he experiences plenty of pain and suffering in his life. Job loses his possessions. He loses his livelihood. He loses his children. He loses his own health. And through it all, Job wants to know Why? So he takes his hard questions to God. And God actually responds to Job. And God essentially shows Job that there are some things that we as human beings just cannot understand. There are some problems that we are never going to be able to solve. And pain is one of those problems. But even though we cannot solve the problem of pain, we also have pain. Even though we cannot solve the problem of pain, we all still have pain. And what this means is that we all have to find a way to face pain in our lives. So that's what we're going to be talking about this Sunday and next Sunday at Melbourne. Heights. We're going to be talking about how we can face the pain that we experience in this world and in our lives. And we're also going to be talking about how we can help other people when they experience pain and suffering in their lives as well. But before we dive into that, because over the last few weeks as we've been talking about the problem of pain, to some extent we've been treating pain like it is just a real for us to solve. We've been acting like if we can just understand why bad things happen to good people or why there's pain and suffering in our world at all, that somehow by being able to answer those questions that we can miraculously alleviate pain in this world, in our lives. But the truth is that it's never going to happen. Being able to answer the questions of why is never going to alleviate our pain. If we can answer the questions of why, all that does is explain our pain. But we don't need an explanation of pain. What we need is a way to endure pain. We need a way that we can face pain and suffering in our lives. So what this means for us is that we need to start asking different questions when it comes. Put away those questions of why, because we're never going to be able to answer them, and they're never going to give us the answers that we're seeking. We need to start asking questions of how. instead. We need to start wondering how do we respond to pain and suffering in our world? How do we help other people when they're experiencing pain in their lives? And you know the best part about changing the questions? To stop asking why and start asking how. Well, when we ask those questions of why. We are never going to be able to find an adequate answer. And we have thousands upon thousands of years of human experience that shows us that. But when we start asking questions of how, we actually can answer those questions. And we're able to answer the questions of how we can respond to pain and suffering in our world and in our lives. Because God shows us how God responded to the problem of pain and suffering in our world. When he sent his son, Jesus, who is God made human, into this world. And when Jesus entered into this world, Jesus experienced everything that it means to be human. And that includes experiencing pain and suffering himself. But Jesus knows what it's like to to attend the funeral of someone that he loves. Jesus knows what it's like to sit and visit with someone that he cares about, a family member, a friend as they're suffering. Jesus knows what it's like to stuff his toe. Bite his tongue or twist his ankle or get sick. Jesus knows about the pain and suffering that we experience because he felt it himself. And by looking at how Jesus responded to pain and suffering in his life, we can learn from him and we can figure out how we can respond to pain and suffering in our lives. So today and next week this will how Jesus responded to pain and suffering in his life, to see what it can teach us about how we can face pain and suffering in our lives, is what specifically we're going to be taking a look at the pain and suffering that Jesus experienced on the cross. And we actually know quite a bit about Jesus' experience on the cross, because we have four books in the Bible that tell us about it. These are the first four books that we find inside of the New Testament. You've got Matthew, Mark, John, and these four books, they are essentially biographies of Jesus. So these books, they tell us about Jesus' birth and his baptism. They tell us about Jesus' ministry, and they tell us about the miracles that Jesus performed. And they also tell us a lot about Jesus' crucifixion. And inside of these four books, we actually find seven different things that Jesus says as he is dying on the cross. And by taking a closer look at these seven statements that Jesus makes, see how Jesus responded to pain and suffering that he experienced while he was dying on the cross. So that's what we're going to do this week and next week. We're going to take a look at some of the things that Jesus says as he's dying on the cross. this morning, we're going to dive right into the deep end. This morning, we're going to start by talking about the most difficult thing that Jesus says while he is dying on the cross. We're going to talk about the thing that Jesus said that is still hard for us to hear even thousands of years later. We actually find Jesus saying this in two different books. Both the book of Matthew and the book of Mark record Jesus saying the same thing. They have Jesus crying out and saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's hard to hear, isn't it? It's hard to hear Jesus call out, my God, my God, why have you taken me. It's hard to hear, because when we hear Jesus say these words, it makes it to feel like God has abandoned Jesus, like God has left Jesus alone in the moment when Jesus needed God the most. And of course, that makes us wonder. Is God going to abandon us? Will God leave us alone in those moments when we need God the most, too? But what if I were to tell you actually more to what Jesus is saying here than just the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because there actually is. Now, you may have never thought about this before never realized this before, but Jesus is far from the first person who has ever uttered the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As a matter of fact, hundreds of years before Jesus ever walked this earth, not only did someone else say those very words, They also wrote them down so that anyone else could read them. And if you'll grab your Bible with me and turn to Psalm 22, I can show you exactly what I mean. And as you're turning and you're finding Psalm 22 this morning, let me just tell you a little bit more about what the Book of Psalms is all about. And the Book of Psalms is kind of the ancient equivalent of our modern-day hymns. So the Book of Psalms would have been filled with psalms and prayers and poetry that were used as the people of Israel were worshipping. So the book of Psalms is their worship material. And what this means for us is that the people of Israel would have known the words to their Psalms the same way that we know the words to our favorite hymns. They would have known the words to the Psalms the same way that you know the words to Amazing Grace or Jesus Loves Me. So they were familiar with these words. So with that in mind, let's take a look at Psalm chapter 22 and see what it says we we'll start reading in verse 1. So here's what it says. It says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? It sounds familiar. Those are the exact same words that Jesus said. words are part of a psalm, part of the worship material that the people of Israel would have sung or recited when they came into the temple to worship God. And they're not just part of a psalm buried down into the third verse or anything. These are the opening lines to Psalm 22. So these are words that the people of Israel would have known and recognized as soon as Jesus had them. So to show you kind of sort of what it would have been, show you what they would have felt like when they heard Jesus recite these words, got a little activity for us this morning. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say the opening words to a hymn, and I want you to see if you can help me continue that hymn, okay? So if you're worshiping with us online, you can write the words down uh, to go along with the hymn that that I'm speaking. If you're here with us in person today, you can just call the words out for me, all right? It's not too hard, I promise. So we'll start with this one. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. All right, I know that y'all can continue on from there. You know that song well, but we're going to quit there and we'll move on to another song. So this one starts with, O Lord my God. When I, in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. All right, let's do one more song together and see how that one goes. This one starts. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him, above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. All right. Now, how many of you knew the words to at least one of those songs? How many of you knew the words through all of those songs? Here's the thing. You knew the words of those songs without me singing a single bar, and we should all praise Jesus that I didn't sing a single bar of that this morning. Amen. All it took for you to recognize those songs was hearing the opening words. The first line of those songs was enough for you to be able to. Re- and that's exactly how the people in the crowd would have felt that day that were gathered around Jesus as he was being crucified when Jesus recites the opening words to Psalm 22. They would have known exactly what he was saying just from those first lines alone. They would have made that connection. And you know what? This was an important connection for the people of Israel, for the people gathered around in the crowd to make. And it was an important connection for them to make because Psalm 22 is way longer than just one line. There is way more to Psalm 22 than just the opening sentence that you find there. The truth of the matter is that Psalm 22 is actually 31 verses long. It's 31 verses long. And when you read those 31 verses, it has a whole different message than what we hear when the psalmist writes, My God, my God, why have you forsaken there's a whole lot more that is happening in that passage, and it's because Psalm 22 is what biblical experts and scholars refer to as a song of lament. Now, what exactly is a song of lament? Well, a song of lament is a repeated cry of pain, of rage, of sorrow, of grief that emerges when you're experiencing pain in your life. Or right? to put it another way for you. A Psalm of Lament is a prayer that expresses how you're really feeling when you have to deal with pain. A Psalm of Lament is a prayer that expresses how you're really feeling when you have to deal with pain. And the truth of the matter is, the Book of Psalms is filled with these Psalms of Lament. Now, you may be aware that the Book of Psalms is made up of 150 different Psalms. But what you may not realize is that 62 of those 150 psalms are classified or can be classified as psalms of Lament. 62 out of 150 psalms can be classified as psalms of Lament. What well, that means is that over 40% of the book of Psalms can be classified as these psalms of Lament. And just knowing that one little piece of information should be enough for us to start understanding how important these real prayers that express our feelings are when we're experiencing pain and suffering. Our lives. And just knowing that should be enough to make us think about tweaking our behavior, changing the way that we talk and communicate with God when we're experiencing pain and suffering in our lives. And that's because if we are being completely honest this morning, then we all have to admit that we don't pray real prayers when we're hurting. We don't pray real prayers. No, when we're hurting, we pray the prayers that we think God wants us to hear. And we pray the prayers that we think God wants us to hear for one of two reasons. We pray the prayers that we think God wants us to hear instead of praying real prayers because we're afraid that we will hurt God's feelings if we tell God what's really going on in our lives. Now think about that for just a second and see how ridiculous that seems. Okay, We are afraid that we can't share what's really happening in our lives with God because God... The God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them might have his feelings hurt by what we say to him. God can handle whatever it is that we bring to him. Now, the second reason that I think we pray these prayers that we think God wants us to say instead of expressing how we really feel is because we're afraid that if we share what's really happening in our lives, and if we're not being polite to God, that God won't listen to our prayers and answer them. We don't pray real prayers because we're afraid that if we aren't polite, if we don't say please and thank you, that God isn't going to listen to the things that we say. But here, here is the book of Psalms. 62 different times people write down real Sixty-two times in the book of Psalms, people cry out to God about what's really happening in their lives. Sixty-two times in the book of Psalms, people bring their complaints to God about what's going wrong in their lives. Sixty-two times in the book of Psalms, people go before God angry and upset because they feel like God isn't holding up God's hand the bar. To learn to be willing to go before God and express what is really happening in our lives, pouring our heart out to God, letting God know exactly how we feel. But we can't stop there, and we can't stop there because the most important thing about these songs of lament isn't the way that they begin. The most important thing about these songs of lament is the way that they. I told you just a second ago that there are 62 Psalms that can be classified as Psalms of Lament. A lot of these 62 Psalms, 61 of them, end with some sort of affirmation of faith. They end with the author confessing that they still believe, they still trust in God in spite of whatever it is that's been happening in their lives. And Psalm 22 is one of those Psalms. So if you will, if you still got your Bible, turn back with me to Psalm 22. And I want to look at verses 22. 24 together. As we look at this, we're going to see this psalm as an affirmation of faith. Here's what he writes. He writes, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly I will preach you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for heaven. Now That sounds a whole lot different than what we heard at the beginning of Psalm 22 when the author writes, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The same author who begins that psalm by saying those words ends the psalm by saying, He's not hidden his face from me. He's listened as I've cried out for help different I mean, the truth of the matter is it's actually hard to believe that the same song can include both of those things, that the same song can open with the author saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? While it ends with the author saying, you're not hiding from me, you're hearing me as I call out to you. But it does. So what exactly can we learn from this psalm of us as we face pain and suffering in our lives. I think there's at least a couple of things that we can learn here. The first lesson that we need to learn from this psalm that will help us when we face pain and suffering in our lives is that even when this psalmist felt like he had been abandoned by God, he was still able to affirm his faith in God. He was still able to trust and Psalms was able to do that because he realized that in spite of the way that he was feeling, that God never left him. That God did not forsake him. We need to remember the exact same thing when we're experiencing pain and suffering in our lives. No matter what it is that you're going through, no matter how dark a season it may be, no matter how far away it feels like God is. will never forsake us. Actually, I think that's what Jesus wanted the people that were gathered around him in the crowd that day to know. Because when Jesus quoted the opening line of Psalm 22, he was reminding them of that. Now remember what Jesus' experienced when he says this Song. okay? Jesus is dying on the cross. He is hanging on the cross. And what this means for us is that Jesus doesn't have the strength or the energy to recite 31 different verses to make his point to the people that are gathered around him in the crowd. Jesus has the energy to say just a few things. as He's dying on the cross. And he chooses to recite this opening line from Psalm 22 to remind the people of Israel of everything Psalm says, of all the lyrics to this song, he wants them to remember that even when you feel forsaken by God, God has not left you. So, that's the first thing that we can learn from this song that helps us deal with the pain and suffering in our lives. But there's at least one other thing that we can learn from it. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that what I'm about to say is probably going to sound kind of strange to you, but it needs to be said anyway. But we can learn from this song that it's not just okay to call out to God when you're hurting. It's also okay to call God out when you're hurting. Now I say that again to make sure that you hear it right. It's not just okay to call out to God when you're hurting. It's also okay to call God out when you're hurting. So what this means is it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be upset It's okay to feel like God has abandoned you. It's okay to feel like you are all alone. It's okay to wonder how long you're going to have to continue to suffer this pain in your lives. It's okay to ask God how long it's going to be before he does something to make things better. And I know, I know that it's weird to hear somebody say this inside a church because it's not the way that we usually talk about God, but it's true. When you're experiencing pain and suffering in your life, it's okay to not just call out to God. It's okay to call God out as well. But once again, you can't leave it there. You can't stop with just calling God out when you're going through these moments of pain and suffering. Because when you're hurting, when you are feeling angry, when you're feeling alone, when you're wondering how long it's going to take for God to do something about the pain and the suffering that you're experiencing, you have to remember the first thing that I told you. You have to remember that God has not forsaken you, that God has not abandoned you, that God is always with you. So even in your deepest pain, even when you're experiencing your greatest hurt, even when you're living through those darkest moments, know that God is with you just like God was with Jesus when he was dying on the cross. It's okay to come before God and tell God exactly how you're feeling. It's okay to be upset and angry and wonder where God is. But we also can't forget that even if it feels like God is a million miles away, that God never leaves us. God never abandons us. God is always with us. Now, next Sunday, when we come back together, we're going to be finishing up the service. And we're going to finish up the sermon series by exploring a few more things that Jesus says as he's dying on the cross so that we can learn from how Jesus responded to pain and suffering in his life to help us when we face pain and suffering in our lives too. But let's not forget what we've talked about today. When we experience pain and suffering in our lives, the most important things that we can remember is that we need to shift our questions. Instead of wondering why, we need to ask how figure out how we can respond to whatever it is that we're facing. And we saw, through the words that Jesus spoke on the cross, how he responded to pain. Even in his pain, Jesus was willing to call out to God, to let God know about the pain and the suffering that he was experiencing. But Jesus also continued to trust in God. So when you experience pain, when you suffer in your life, tell me, tell God about what's going on. We trust that God does not forsake you. Trust that God will never leave you. Trust that God is with you no matter what. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this time of prayer, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for the time that He spent on this earth. We thank you so much for the things that we God, we know that while Jesus was on this earth that he experienced everything that it means to be human, and that includes pain and suffering. And in some ways, Jesus experienced pain and suffering that most of us cannot even begin to imagine. But even as he was dying on the cross, God, Jesus showed us how he responded to the incredible pain of the cross. We learn that it's okay for us to call out to you, to pray real prayers to you when we're hurting. But we also need to continue to trust you, to affirm our faith in you, to know that you do not abandon us, that you have not forsaken us, that you are always with us. So God, I don't know what's happening in everyone's life. We can hear my voice right now. But I have no doubt that someone that is listening right now is experiencing that. And no doubt that someone feels like you are a million miles away from them in this moment. My prayer for them, my prayer for everyone who is right, is that in spite of how you feel, we never forget that you are always with us, walking beside us, through everything
0: Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our Sermon Podcast. And I hope that this episode has helped you to learn how you can respond to pain and suffering in your life. And the first thing that we need to do is to change our questions. Instead of asking why, we need to start asking how and think about how we can respond to pain and suffering in our lives. The next thing that we need to do is call out to God and cry out to God and talk with God about what's really happening in our lives. But we can't leave it there. We also have to continue to trust that no matter what is happening in our lives, even if God seems like he is a million miles away, that God has not abandoned us, that God has not forsaken us, and remember that God is always with us. Well in our next episode, we're going to be wrapping up this sermon series called No Easy Answers. And again, we're going to spend a little bit of time exploring some of the things that Jesus said as he was dying on the cross during that sermon. So we hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And you also don't have to wait till next Tuesday for an episode to drop. You can come and you can worship with us every Sunday morning on our church website at 1030 a.m. Eastern Time. You can find us at mhbclouisville.com live. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys have a great week. I will be praying
1: for you, and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.